0: Amen. Hey, that's right. We are on the exciting chapter two. Woo! Once again, Judaism and our exciting study, world religions, cults, and the occult. Now, uh, as you turn to that exciting page, whatever page that is, Uh, We're going to see that once again, that we've been seeing that God is not done with the Jewish people, right? Those that actually say that, that the church has replaced the Jewish people, it's called replacement theology. It's a heresy. That's not true, as we've been seeing for several weeks. Now, we saw not only the Jewish people are important when it comes to the first coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, okay? It's also, we saw the last several weeks, very important, the Jewish people pay attention when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we saw that just a few, and this isn't all of them, this is just a few, that the Jewish people would return. To the land, they become a nation again, they become a nation, and one day they become united. Their currency would go back to being the shekel, they would blossom as a rose in the desert, they'd have a powerful military, become a conflict in the whole world, and they would rebuild the temple. And it's good things, done that there's no signs that none of that is taking place today. Yeah, they all are, okay, is the whole point there, which means we don't know the day nor the hour, but man, it is getting close. Now, we're gonna deal with it uh, hopefully the next couple weeks and get her finished up. And uh, we're going to deal with what is called modern Judaism. Okay, modern Judaism. And that's where we're at on the page. It says there, who are the Jewish people? Okay, who are the Jewish people? By the way, the Bible has a term for somebody who's not a Jewish person. And in case you've ever come across, that's called a Gentile. Okay, a Gentile. Basically, when the Bible talks about a Gentile, it's anybody who's not of the Jewish descent. So how do you know if they're of the Jewish descent? not only if they're born, but they could choose to, if you will, become uh, of the Jewish religion. That's what we're going to see. Let's take a look here. This seems like an easy question to answer, who are the Jewish people, but it's actually complicated. The first easy subgrouping of the Jewish people are those that are of direct descendants, is your blank there, descendants of Abraham. Now, turn to somebody and say, hey, praise God, we haven't filled in a blank in four weeks. We got one. Tonight's your night to shine. Woohoo! And cramps the whole nine yards. Descendants is your blank there, okay? Uh, in recent years, though, uh, this has been anyone whose mother is a Jewish, but modern Jewish groups will recognize anyone who has one parent as being Jewish or Jewish. Okay, so they're getting a little bit liberal as they go, so to speak. Used to be just the mom has to be. Now it's say hey, any parent, mom or dad. Okay. Now these are what's called Jews by, here's your first category: birth okay, Jews by birth, okay, let's take a look at the next one, in modern Judaism, there's also those who are converts, that's your next blank there, who are converts to Judaism, these are Jews by choice, okay, is what's going on there, Jews by choice, the requirements though, now you say, well, how do you become a Jew by choice, I wasn't, I didn't have a mom who was Jew, or dad, or any family, but If I'm going to quote join the Jewish religion, what do I got to do? Well, you're going to see again all tonight that is based on doing. Okay, the gospel is receiving, it's called a gift. (laughs) Jesus did all the work. We don't do nothing. Okay, we receive it by faith, He's done the whole work. But just like we're going to see Catholicism, just like we're going to see with other world religions, okay, it is a false gospel. Judaism today is a false gospel, it is a system of works. Okay, a system of works and that's not the gospel. Okay. In fact, Paul has very choice words. He says, if anybody comes to you and preaches another gospel, then what we preach to you, he said in Galatians. He said, even if it came from a supposed angel, let him be accursed. He says it not once, he says twice. Let me say it again. If anyone comes to you and preaches another gospel, then the gospel we preach to you, which is Jesus Christ alone. The gospel is Jesus, period. If anybody comes to you, I don't care if they say, I'm of Jewish descent or I'm of this, and they say Jesus and Jesus or Jesus, but that's not the gospel, it's Jesus. Okay? And this is what you're going to see with the modern Jewish people, again, is they say it's doing. You've got to do stuff, right? Most religions on the planet, Christianity is completely unique. As we've talked before, anybody that comes up to you and says, oh, don't you know that all religions basically teach the same thing? Excuse me? Your jaw should drop, okay? Because what they just told you, whether they realize they're not, number one, they're just parodying what the media and the educational system is brainwashing them to say, because that's not true number two what they just told you is they know nothing about world religions because you take a look at different world religions and that's what we're seeing in our study they're diametrically opposed and radically different and what they also told you number three is they don't know anything about biblical christianity it's radically different, right? Radically different. All religions, some similarities that we do see, okay, but Christianity is unique, is other religions will teach you that you are God, you can become God, or like with Judaism we're going to see, and Catholicism, you have to work your way to God. You've got to do certain things, and they're big on what is called rituals, right? Mankind loves rituals. We like doing stuff. We like standing. We like sitting. We like wearing this, not wearing that, doing stuff. It makes us feel religious. The flesh likes that stuff. That's not, the, that's not the gospel, okay? But that's what we're going to see. So this is what. So we're going to take a look. How do you become a Jew by choice, okay? The requirements for conversion are different depending on the group of Judaism. Lord willing, next week we'll get into a couple different classifications, orthodox, conservative, etc. cetera, okay? Uh, but within Judaism, uh, the one that is converting, uh, there's uh, certain requirements you got to do, okay? And the first one we're going to talk about, when's the last time you heard a sermon on this? This is exciting stuff. Circumcision. Okay, woo hot topic tonight. That's right, circumcision, okay? So if you want to become not a, uh, you can't be, you're not Jew by birth, but you want to become one by choice, you have to, if you're a male, you have to be circumcised. Now, of all things, why that? Well, let's take a look at what the scripture has to say. Circumcision, of course, if you're not familiar, uh, is the surgical removal of the certain part of the male anatomy down there and stuff. The word circumcised means to cut around. Okay, to cut around. And it was a religious rite. Circumcision was required of all of Abraham's descendants as a sign of the covenant that God had made with him. So it was a sign of the covenant that they're marked, they've cut around. And this is part of, I'm part of now the Abrahamic covenant. The Mosaic law repeated the requirement, and Jews throughout the uh, uh, centuries have repeated the practice. Now listen, pay attention. New Testament Christians are no longer under the Old Testament laws we saw before, and therefore circumcision is no longer required. I thought it would be louder than that. <laughs> Yay, yeah, whoa, wow. Okay, and uh, this is brought out by a number, a number of New Testament passages. Now, if you really want to get into a great book in the Bible, I mean, they're all good, but in the New Testament, that tells us we are set free from this Old Testament system. We don't have to do all these rites and rituals and festivals and all that stuff, is the book of Galatians. Now, specifically, Paul calls out this circumcision thing because there's people in the, that were coming in the church, and if we get that far, hopefully, that they're doing it again today. Being repeated. And that was a group of folks you might read in the scriptures called Judaizers. Okay, and basically what they basically said was, Oh, yeah, that's Jesus, but see, that's now you're not the gospel. Jesus and Jesus or Jesus, but that's not the gospel. Jesus, but you got to keep the Old Testament law. That's being repeated today. Okay, we'll get to that in a whole second. But Galatians chapter 5, let's turn there real quick. Galatians chapter 5. And Paul's gonna call this out. And he says, Don't do it, man. Don't let somebody come up to you and say, oh, hey, you know, it's all uh, by the grace of God through the cross of Jesus Christ, he's done all the work for us, and then now they got to go back, and then you got to start following the Old Testament. What? No, you don't. No, you don't. Don't do that. You you basically make grace not grace anymore, okay? But Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through uh, 10 there, 11, we'll take a look there. He says this, it is for what that you have been set free in Christ? Freedom. Freedom. You've been set free. It is for freedom in Christ that has set us free. Stand firm then. What's he mean? Don't move. Don't budge from this. I don't care who comes to you. Stand firm. Don't budge. Then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of what? Slavery. Don't do it. Don't say, they're going, okay, it's Jesus, but let me put this yoke on you. You got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to do this, and you got to refrain from that. He says, don't do it. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves, he's talking to Christians. If you let yourselves be what? circumcised christ will be of no value to you at all oh no I, before i got saved i was a guy and my parents i was, I, I don't even remember they made me get circumcised I, I can't be a christian that's not what he's saying he's talking about if you're born again christian somebody comes up to you hey okay but now you got to be circumcised because you're going to fall he says don't do it don't do it okay he says uh because then christ will be of no value to you all in other words you're not trusting in jesus alone right and he goes on, he says, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he be obligated to obey the whole law. See, that's the problem. If you're going to go back into that Old Testament law, you can't just pick one. You're under the whole thing now, which means you think circumcision was painful enough? Okay, now you've got to do the sacrificial system. Now you've got to go build a temple. Now every time you sin, you've got to bring a lamb and whatever offering. Now you've got to follow the festivals. Now you've got to do all that stuff. And did you know that people are teaching that today in the church? And Paul has strong words about that, right? He says, you who are trying to be justified by the law, the Old Testament, have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace, right? You're not trusting in Jesus. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness we hope for. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. That's not the point. The only thing, you want to prove to God that you're really a born again Christian? You want to prove to God that you're a follower of him? It isn't whether or not you got circumcised. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Love. Do you love like Jesus? 1 Corinthians 13. That's your acid test, right? What's with this external ritual stuff? Are you kidding me? Right? He says, you were running a good race who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of the dough. In other words, listen, this is serious stuff. Don't let this mindset come into your church, that you're born again Christians by the Spirit of God. It's a grace. It's a gift from him. And then now you got to keep the Old Testament. I don't care if it's one thing or ten things. It'll spread. Okay? He said, I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who's thrown you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Uh, brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate him themselves. Woo! Paul's kind of round up there a little bit there, right? Notice the words. He's using to play on words. Go cut yourself off, right? Strong words from Paul. Don't let anybody ever come to you as a born-again Christian and say, hey, yes, yeah, Jesus, but you've got to keep the Old Testament rituals. It's being repeated again uh, today. So that's the first thing, okay? Now, the second thing, if you want to become a Jew by choice, okay, Okay, another thing that you have to do is what is called a mikvah, a variance of V-E-A or V-A-H, either one. And basically this is where we get our practice that we do today, but we don't do it as a work for grace or a work to purify ourselves. It is in remembrance, called baptism, okay? A mikvah is a bath, okay, that they would take, and they would take it for a ritual. So if you want to become a Jew uh, by... A choice, then you have to not only be circumcised if you're male, but everybody's got to have a mikvah. Okay, is what it's called. You got to be cleansed. Okay, uh, but we know with baptism. Okay, which again, where that practice uh, uh, is similar to and originates from, uh, baptism. Of course, we all know is what you need to be saved. No, right? Just like communion doesn't save you, we do it in remembrance of what Christ has done. Same thing with baptism. The Scripture says baptism. By the way, it comes from the word baptizo. Okay, baptizo uh, literally means immersed. It was used of like a ships that were completely sunken. They sunk. They, they were completely immersed by the ocean, right? Uh, and, so, and that's why we would say that when you're baptized, you're fully immersed, not sprinkled, whatever. It, it doesn't save you. It's a secondary issue, uh, that nature. Uh, we just That's what we believe that Scripture teaches. It's full of immersions, but don't get necessarily, dare I say, listen to this, don't get hung up on it. Because you mean to tell me that if you're in a hospital, And somebody right there gives a heart to Jesus Christ, but they're going to die the next day, and they want to be baptized. This happened. And they can't get out of there. They can't make it to a baptismal pool, a jacuzzi, or nothing. But they want to be baptized. You mean to tell me that you can't just sprinkle water on them in the name of Jesus Christ, and that doesn't suffice? Excuse me? So don't get wooden-headed about it. But technically, it means immersion, full immersion, and that's what we do when the circumstances uh, are proper. Uh, does baptism save you? Of course not. It's symbolic, and it's symbolic that we're baptized into the body of Christ. When you become born again, you become a member of the body of Christ, right? And then he gives each one of us gifts. It also means you're baptized, immersed into the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes and dwells within you, and he gives you gifts to serve in the body of Christ, okay? And everybody's different, right? So some of us are eyes. Some of us are hands. Some of us are little toes, Right? right? And you think, Oh, I'm just a little toe for Jesus. Well you stub that baby and find out how important it is, right? Right? And that's Paul talks about that, you know, with the analogy there. Right? We're all important, we're all equal. We serve it but we're all baptized into the body of Christ. The moment you get saved, you're a member of the body of Christ. So why do we have membership classes? That's more of a local body issue. Spiritually, we are uh, all members of the body of Christ. Also symbolizes the washing away of sin. Titus chapter three represents a change of attitude and relationship, a dying to self-sin and the world. Why do we do it publicly, right? Because it's an outward expression of our inward faith, right? Also, I would say this, that it's also a good time for you and I who've already been baptized, uh, it's a good time to remember, uh, hey, how are we doing since we got baptized? You know that exciting day when we pledged in front of the whole public, the whole church, whoever it was, I'm going to follow Jesus. How are you doing? Have you cooled down? Are you just as on fire when you got baptized that day? What's going on? So sometimes it's a good time to uh, reflect, I would say, is that a well? So baptism, of course, is symbolic. It does not save you. Now, there are people who teach the false teaching. And again, this would be Jesus and, which is not the gospel, Remember, Jesus and Jesus or Jesus, but that's not the gospel. They'll say Jesus and baptism. That's just as bad as the Catholics saying uh, Jesus and communion, or what they say with mass, okay, and, and the other seven sacraments. No, that's not the gospel, okay? But there are some people who teach that, you no, know, you have to be baptized, nor be saved. It's called baptismal regeneration, uh, if you want to understand the theological term. But if that's true, uh, what happened to the thief on the cross, right? Jesus said, because of your profession of faith, belief in me, I'm right here beside you okay, Uh, today you'll be with me, what, in paradise, but only after we sneak down when nobody's looking, and I'm going to baptize you real quick, then we're going to nail ourselves back up here, (laughs) (laughs) give me a break, so how could baptism uh, be a requirement for salvation, okay, now it's something that is important, I'll get to that hopefully in a second, but also why would Paul say this in 1 Corinthians, I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius, I mean, if that was necessary for salvation, how could that ever come out of Paul's mouth? Right? He should say, oh, and I've got to hurry up and get back to you guys because I forgot to baptize Christmas and gays. They're not saved. He didn't say that. He also went on to say, uh, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Right? So if baptism was necessary for salvation, a part of the gospel, why did he separate the true? And then why did he say he did? that's not the primary purpose? Yes, we need to be baptized, but it's symbolic. The primary purpose is the gospel, and it's only faith through Jesus Christ. And so you're going, well, why is the big deal with baptism and uh, things of that nature. Well, let me give you just a little bit uh, of a little uh, history lesson. Again, this is similar to uh, a mikvah, okay, is what's going on there. And uh, when it came to the disciples, okay, if you weren't uh, baptized, uh, something strange just happened, okay? Something strange just happened. And uh, let me see if I can get that there real quick. Yeah, here's what it says. In Bible times, a person uh, who converted from one religion to another was often baptized, right? Okay, Uh, to identify the conversion. Okay, baptism was the means of making a decision public. You weren't ashamed of it. What did Jesus say? You're ashamed to confess me before men, right? Okay, those who refused to be baptized. Now, this is New Testament times, this was the practice. Those who refused to be baptized were saying that they did not truly believe. So, in the minds of the apostles and early disciples, the idea, listen, of an unbaptized believer was unheard of. And here's how they would translate that decision. When a person claimed to believe in Christ, yet was ashamed to proclaim his faith in public via baptism, doesn't save you, but this is what you're doing, quote, it indicated, at least to them, that they didn't have true faith. Very interesting. Now, does it save you? No. But there's something very odd if somebody says, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm trusting my life in him, and I'm saved by the grace of God, and I make no bones about it, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, it's time to get baptized. Oh, no, I don't wanna. Something's wrong. Something's not right, okay? Again, it doesn't save you, but something's not right. Yeah, I was born again Christian. One of the first things in my heart, I didn't have a sermon on it. Nobody gave me a lesson on baptism. I, I had no clue what in the, ho- in the totality what it meant or whatever. I just, as soon as I got saved, can I be baptized? For six months, I tried to be baptized. I, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Can I be baptized yet? Can I be baptized? Can I be baptized? And I kept being putting off. Oh, I'm going to wait for this. We're going to wait for that. Can I be baptized? And finally, you know what my baptism was? I had a, a Friday night men's Bible group. Okay, that I was a part of, and I was telling them, man, I want to be baptized. They said, You're not baptized yet. I said, No, oh, no, I've been saved for six months. I'm still not baptized. Waiting for them to baptize They said, Let's go. We hopped into the truck, and all those men baptized me in the Sacramento River. That's my baptism. <laughs> right? And I hold to it today right? But that's a natural thing. Something's wrong. So it's like, what are you ashamed of, right? It doesn't save you, but man, there's a balance there too. At the same time, why wouldn't you want to be baptized? Are you ashamed? Something's going on, okay? Now, I said all that to get that, because that's kind of where we get this practice. uh, It's uh, the the mikvah from Old Testament. They still do it today, okay? It's where we get the practice of baptism, because they're going into, you know, to be cleansed. Now, ours is symbolic, but they think this is gaining you something. See, that's the difference. This is the work, Okay, let me explain to you a uh, mikveh. Mikvah is a bath used for the purpose of ritual immersion uh, in Judaism. In the Hebrew Bible, the word employed is a, in a broader sense, but generally means a collection of water, right? In a the synagogue, they have this little area where they'd have water. Typically, they would want natural water, like collected rainwater and all that stuff, okay? But technically, a body of water they could use uh, to baptize. I think it was the Ethiopian guy, when he got saved, what they do? Just found a body of water so he can do a mikveh baptism right then and there right? Okay, so that's this. But they believe that this process, modern Judaism today, they believe that this is how they are going to uh, to get rid of their impurities, that when they go through a mikvah, that they are going to purify themselves before God. In fact, they even have it broken down into various categories, okay? Uh, You need to have, according to the modern Judaism today, you need to have a mikvah, okay, uh, for Jewish women to achieve purity after menstruation, Every time you uh, have a menstrual cycle, you need to have a mikvah bath. Uh, after childbirth, uh, after, uh, again, when you convert to Judaism, that's your first mikvah, but that's just the beginning. Okay, uh, and you, uh, mikvahs needed to immerse newly acquired utensils used in serving and eating food. Uh, uh, you need to have a mikvah after sexual activity, abnormal discharge of the body fluids, certain skin conditions. Anyone who came in contact with somebody who had menstruation, not including the person, but including anything that they uh, sat on or, or touched, basically. Uh, the Jewish priest needed to go through a mikvah to be consecrated. The Jewish high priest at Yom Kippur, the Jewish priest who performed the red heifer ritual uh, after contact with the corpse, the grave, uh, and, and after eating meat from an animal that died naturally, uh, immersions of utensils re- uh, acquired from a Gentile. Yeah, yeah, men on the day of your wedding, uh, the father prior to the circumcision of a son by a priest uh, to serve and recite the priestly uh, blessing, Uh, anybody before Yom Kippur, before a Jewish holiday, weekly before the Shabbat, uh, the the Sabbath day, uh, that's more of your traditional ones. And some of them even teach that every single day you need to do that. You need to be purified. That this mikvah bath, okay, unlike ours, is completely symbolic of faith alone in Christ and his work. They think it's going to gain impurity from various things, okay? But what I've heard is apparently whatever you do, don't do it in milk. Listen to this. There's this old farmer named Bud and his wife Millie. All right, it was Orson and Jeanette. No, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> Bud and Millie. and they live way out in the boonies, right? And they didn't make it to town very often. Uh, Well, this left uh, Millie feeling, you know, quite lonesome at times, right? And and so one day, Millie was feeling, you know, kind of blue. And so she began to flip through one of those fancy living lady magazines, right? From New York or something. And she read this article that shared that the latest big city frill was taking a milk bath, right? A milk bath. So Millie decided that's what she needed to make herself happy and beautiful. So she sent her husband to a neighboring dairy farm to purchase the milk and well when he arrived uh, uh, bud told the dairy farmer that he wanted to purchase enough milk uh, for his wife to take one of those fancy living milk baths right and so the dairy farmer says well <clears throat> do you want it pasteurized and bud says no nope, just up to her neck will do just fine <laughs> thank you that's your mikvah joke uh, no they didn't use milk uh, but that's, I like that one. But anyway, it's so important to them, right? If you want to become a Jew by choice, okay, if you want to convert to Judaism, you have to, if you're a male, be uh, uh, circumcised, okay, and you have to welcome to the world of mikvah, okay? It's very, very important. In fact, so important, they believe this is how they're going to be purified, Listen to this. In Orthodox Judaism, uh, these regulations are steadfastly adhered to, and the mikvah is central to the Orthodox Jewish community. Okay, In fact, the existence, making sure that you had a mikvah, is considered so important in Orthodox Judaism today that an Orthodox community is required to construct a mikvah before you even build the synagogue. That's like us. Hey, God's called us here at sunrise. He's given us his property. He's called us here to witness here in Las Vegas. And we need to build a facility. But before we get started, we're building that baptismal. (laughs) What? But see, ours is symbolic and not to denigrate a baptismal. But they believe this is how important this is. This is how important it is if you're going to be a Jew by choice. Okay. Uh, But in fact, even to the point they said that even if you had to sell the Torah scrolls, to pay for the mikvah, okay, that's what you do. That's how important uh, it is, okay? So, number one, if you want to be a Jew by choice, you need to, if you're a male, uh, submit to circumcision. Number two, you have to be uh, uh, processed there with the, the baptism the mikvah for men and women. And three, and to understand and accept the duties of the classic Jewish religious law. Oh, boy. Here's where the burden comes in, Okay. And we'll get to that, hopefully, in just a second. So modern Judaism, there can be Jews by birth, Jews by choice. Now, the rest of it, if we've got time, hopefully we'll finish up with the burden of the law, right? The burden of the law. Modern Judaism, it's somewhat a hodgepodge of beliefs and practices. Lord willing, next week, we might get into that. Reformed Judaism, conservative Judaism, and orthodox Judaism. And just like Christianity today, you've got evangelical Christianity, you and I. You've got liberal Christianity, and you've got, with all due respect, whacked out Christianity. Okay, It's the kind of same kind of thing that's going on. Uh, with judaism but let's take a look there, there's an old saying that says two jews three opinions okay judaism is by no means a monolith right there's just one view and everybody has it and it's no okay it has changed it will continue to change for years to come chances are if you go to a handful of jewish websites you're going to find dozens of explanations of what it means to be jewish and live jewishly Okay. These days, the Jewish experience varies from extremely religious to aesthetic and all points in between, and our observances, practices, and ways of life often reflect this diversity. Now, the 12th century rabbi named, guess who? Hey, praise God, I didn't want to say it. Maimonides, um, or something like that, developed what he called the 13 Articles of Faith. Now, these articles detail what he believed. Every Jew, if you're going to be a real Jew... This is your core, if you will, doctrinal statement. You've got to at least adhere to these 13 things. Okay, the articles are widely accepted uh, as a proper expression of Jewish faith. While it's not necessary, according to them, to believe all these articles, it's a good summary of typically what you would expect if you're really of the Jewish uh, descent and belief system. Okay, it's number one, God exists. Well, that's good. Number two, God is one and unique. Yeah, okay, but, you know, of course, they choke on the Trinity Okay, God is incorporeal, okay, without physical matter. God is eternal. Prayer to, is to God only. Uh, the prophets spoke truth. Moses, they believe, is the greatest of the prophets. The written and the oral Torah were given to Moses, and there will be no other Torah or the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Old Testament. God knows the thoughts and deeds of men. God will reward uh, the good and punish the wicked. Now, know so far, it's pretty good stuff. Here's where you start to get into the problem. The Messiah will come. No, Messiah has come. Now, he will come a second time, but they're still looking for the Messiah, and the dead will be resurrected. Now, this is the tip of the tip. He's, he's got this narrowed down to like 13, okay? But if you really want to understand why Jesus, in fact, let's turn there real quick. Matthew 11, I think, Matthew 11, and uh, Jesus talks about this, okay? Okay? And it's right before he goes into the Sabbath. Remember, they accuse him, I can't believe you healed that guy on the Sabbath. I can't believe you picked grain on the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the Sabbath, Sabbath, the Sabbath. Right? And before Jesus gets into that in this passage, okay, notice what he says. This is the context of what he says here. Uh, we've heard this many times, but it's the context specifically of this Jewish law and all the things you got to do now as a Jewish person, you got to keep this and don't do that. Jesus said it's a burden. It's a heavy yoke. Right. He says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. Notice the word burden. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, Jesus' yoke is what? Easy. And his burden is what? Light. So flip it around. The yoke of the Pharisees and the scribes and trying to keep all these laws was what? It was hard and heavy. What? Now, let me give you a taste of why it's so hard and heavy. Let me give you a taste of why Jesus, if we get that far, in Matthew 23, he rips into the Pharisees who set up all these laws. Because basically, God's never, as we saw before, hung up on laws. He only had one at the very beginning. Don't eat from the street. That's it. God's never been hung up on rules. And every single one of his commands are for our protection. And they've only grown, uh, and we give, he gives the Ten Commandments, because of the introduction of sin. But now you look in the New Testament, and Jesus, the, okay, hey, what's the grace of the commandments? He actually narrows it down to one. He says the grace two is to love God, uh, number one, and love your neighbors yourself. But if you're really loving God, you're loving your neighbor, right? So really, in essence, you could say it's back down to one. Jewish people took it and went, it's <clears throat> all these man-made traditions. And it became this heavy burdensome. It had nothing to do with the relationship with God. It was steering people away from God. And Matthew 23, Jesus rips into him. You brood of vipers. You, you're, you're twice as much a son of hell when you try to convert people. Oh, very strong words, if we can get that far. But let me give you a taste of why he said it's so heavy and hard. And what are you doing? Come to me. Get a, What? You don't have to do all this stuff. Look this. Okay. All kinds of things you couldn't do on the Sabbath. Man, how much time? Oh, boy. Uh seeds, uh, sowing seed, plowing, reaping, binding, threshing, winnowing, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, bleaching, dyeing wool, spinning, weaving, tying or untying a knot, sewing stitches, tearing apart two stitches, hunting, writing, or erasing two letters, building, demolishing, kindling, extinguishing a fire, hammering, carrying objects from one place to another, etc. etc. But obviously, how are you going to get anything done? Right? Remember, the Sabbath was made for what? Man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath meaning rest, God, praise God, gave us a day of it was supposed to be for our good, not some heavy burden. And so, so they, but that's what they turned it into. And so they begin to develop loopholes. Now this was going on when Jesus shows up on the scene and says, you brood of life. right, All right, so for example, a person was not allowed to prepare food or go on a journey on the Sabbath. If they had to walk, they could only walk a maximum of 3,000 feet or about two thirds of a mile. Right, But the guidelines say that the journey could be divided up by meals. So on Friday, some went and deposited a meal two-thirds of a mile away, and then on the Sabbath, they could walk the two-thirds of the mile, then eat the meal, then they could go another two-thirds of the mile. That way, they could walk twice as far and not break the Sabbath. Yeah. Another one was this, that it became illegal to spit on the Sabbath. Now, spitting isn't work, but plowing is work. And plowing was defined as moving dirt, to make a trench or a furrow spitting in the dirt they said might make a hit the ground hit the dirt make a trench or a furrow and therefore would cause the dirt that would be plowing that's the reason why he couldn't spit on the sabbath not because it spit because it's plowing okay also the problem with all this and this is why jesus says are you crazy this wasn't just oh boy i'm just i'm gonna tell the deacon you're gonna be in big trouble or you're not gonna teach sonny no listen to the punishment Right? The punishment for breaking the Sabbath day laws was not a fine, not imprisonment, not a sacrifice in the temple. The breaking of the Sabbath was punishable by death. If you didn't follow these burdens, you would die. It's crazy. This is what was going on when Jesus showed up. I'm just getting started. Now, modern Judaism, you think, oh boy, good thing it was back then. They, no, the modern Jewish people do the same thing today. Listen to this. This is a Jewish scholar, uh, Yehoshua Newruth. He wrote a volume work, several volume work, quote, a guide to the practical observance of the Sabbath, okay? And here are some of his modern instructions, okay, that you're supposed to do. Cooking in most forms, boiling, roasting, baking, frying is forbidden on the Sabbath, especially when the temperature is raised above 115 degrees. Uh, if the hot water tap is accidentally left on, it cannot be turned off on the Sabbath. Uh, now, escaping gas may be turned off, but not in the normal way. One must turn off the tap of a gas burner with the back of the hand or the elbow. One cannot squeeze a lemon into a glass of iced tea, but you can squeeze a lemon onto a piece of fish. Now, since Exodus 34.3 teaches that one cannot light a fire on the Sabbath, it is also wrong to turn on electric lights. If you need to turn on the lights, you can get an automatic timer, which will do the job for you. Also with an air conditioner. Cannot be turned on by a Jew on the Sabbath. Although... A Gentile can turn it on as long as the Jew does not explicitly ask him to turn it on. <laughs> what did you give him a hint? <gasps> <laughs> it's crazy, right? You cannot bathe with a bar of soap on the Sabbath, but you can use liquid soap, right? Now, if someone is walking on the Sabbath and discovers, uh-oh, they're carrying something in their pocket and they forgot it was there, yeah. They have to stop carrying it immediately, right? Because that's a, you're carrying, you're doing work. But at the same time, the Jews are not allowed to lift anything on the Sabbath. So now what are you gonna do, right? In order to get it out, he has to reverse his pocket so the item falls out. Then he must leave it there on the ground. If the item is valuable and he does not wish to leave it on the ground, he can ask a Gentile to watch it for him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're just like, what are you going to be me? Or or if you must take it with you, you can carry it, but not in the usual way. You can put it in your shoe or tie it to your leg as long as you don't tie a knot. Or somehow suspend it uh, between your clothing and your body. You have got to be kidding me. Let me just give you a couple more. we got to move on. They also taught that you could not look in a mirror on the Sabbath because you might be tempted to pluck out a gray hair, and that would be reaping. They said that you could uh, only eat an egg which has been laid on the Sabbath if you kill the chicken for Sabbath breaking. Death penalty. A donkey could be let out of the stable on the Sabbath, but the harness and saddle had to be placed on him the day before, okay? Uh, An egg could not be boiled on the Sabbath either by normal means or by, quote, uh, putting it near a hot kettle or wrapping it in a hot cloth or put it in the hot sand outside. Yeah, but you could cheat and leave a meal at your buddy's house to walk longer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <What>? <laughs> if the lights were left on the Sabbath, again, you couldn't turn them out. Uh, it's unlawful to move furniture on the Sabbath. Now, there's an exception in that you're allowed to move a ladder on the Sabbath, but only four steps. Uh, it's unlawful to wear any jewelry on, uh, or ornaments on the Sabbath, since this might be construed as carrying a burden. Uh, and it's not permitted to wear false <laughs> Yeah, that was fun for the guys giving the message, wasn't it? And this, listen to this. This is stuff, right? This is, it's all... You were allowed to eat radishes on the Sabbath, but you were warned against dipping them into the salt because you might leave them in the salt too long and pickle them. And this was considered to be Sabbath breaking. The Pharisees actually had discussions on how long it took to pickle a radish. Yeah. And if a woman got mud on her dress, she was to wait until it dried. And then she was permitted to crumple the dress in her hands one time. Okay, and crush it. And then shake it one time. And if that didn't do the trick, she had to wear it. The tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg, when Jesus shows up on the scene and going, what does this got to do with a relationship with God? You guys are supposed to be a light unto the Gentiles, and you've reduced it to this. And if I sh- boiled an egg, you're gonna kill me. What? But you can cheat by leaving a sandwich at Joe's house? And he's God. He sees a easily- come to me. Are you my Now, does that explode that verse or what? That's what's going on there. Now, you're thinking, okay, well, man, the good thing that was just then, it's not today. I'm telling you, it's being repeated today. There's modern, when you read in the scripture, Judaizers, people who want to bring in back the Old Testament that Paul had to talk about, that's what Galatians is all about, amongst other books that he dealt with this, okay, Corinthians we just saw, okay, There's, there's modern Judaizers in the church today, right? There's terms for, they're called messianic. Messianic, another one's basically the, the big term is Hebrew Roots Movement, okay? And that sounds so spiritual. If you want to be a real Christian, you need to get back to the Hebrew roots, right? Yeah, Whatever. It's modern uh, Judaizers is what's going on. And they basically believe that you and I, our version of Christianity, has been infiltrated by Greek and Roman philosophy. And the real church needs to get back to its Jewish roots, okay, is what, what they say. And that you and I need to keep the Torah. We need to go back to that system of law if we're going to be truer Christians than other Christians, okay? Now, most of the Hebrew roots movement, they're not even Jewish people. They're just Gentiles, Okay, if you're looking at a descent thing, okay? Uh, in fact, they have Gentile rabbis, okay? Uh, they usually prefer to identify themselves as messianic Christians. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Uh, they, call, they come to the conclusion that God has called them to uh, uh, become Jewish, okay? And uh, again, they want to, uh, and they believe and promote that we are to abide now by the Old Testament law, okay, as well. Which means they uh, believe that we need to keep the festivals, we need to worship on Saturday, not Sunday, and we need to keep the dietary laws and all that other stuff if you're going to be a real Christian. Because again, if you live like this, it's more truer to the early church. It's more truer, and you'll have God's blessing. It's a bunch of baloney. It's the very thing that Paul fought against that we read in the New Testament letters. They, just, they don't call them, hi, we're Judaizers, want to join us? Oh, I saw that in the Bible. We're of the Hebrew Roots Movement. And we dress like the, and that's what they do. They dress like the Jews. The oftentimes we'll take a Jewish name. Oh, and if you really want to be spiritual, according to this group, you don't say Jesus. Yeshua. Yeshua. <laughs> Yeshua, okay, is the Hebrew of Yahshua, Joshua, he who saves, which is where we get the Greek rendering, Jesus, Jesus. Woo the same word. What's the big deal? Oh, but see, isn't it so special? And this is what we do. it's the same thing the cults do, right? The cults always have some of their kind of little technique to make them look more spiritual. Right? Mormons, they can't drink a Coca-Cola products, but you can own Coke. The corporation. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Okay. Uh Jehovah's Witness can't celebrate a birthday, can't call somebody father. Right? Don't celebrate Christmas, right? And that's the same thing these guys approach. They say that, oh, not only do you need to keep the Jewish festivals, but you need to get rid of those and don't follow this, those pagan practices, you know, the birth of Jesus and his resurrection. You need to get back to the Jewish roots, okay? And they basically would say, they flip it around, you and I, as we know, that we are to interpret the Old Testament in light of the New Testament, right? That's why it's called Old versus new new supersedes doesn't mean you need to ditch the old of course you need to understand the old but you need to understand it in light of the new testament or covenant new contract they flip it around says no the old contract comes first okay but basically the the roots of it is basically that you and i in order to be quote a spiritual christian we need to go back to this this is happening in the church today Many people are getting sucked up into this and they start wearing their prayer shawls and, and the tassels and they start doing these Jewish rituals and they build these little things at their home and all this stuff and like that and somehow that makes you a better Christian? Open your Bibles very quickly, uh, Galatians chapter three. Once again, Galatians. Listen to what Paul has to say about that. Somehow you're better if you're gonna act Jewish now and then you're somehow gonna keep uh, the, the, the Jewish uh, different sacraments and things of that nature i don't think so okay but let's take a look at what paul says right Uh, verse 26 in chapter 3 okay verse 26 galatians chapter 3 verse 26 he says this you are all sons of god through what faith in who christ jesus right For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Therefore, guess what? You're a born-again Christian. It's all the work of Jesus Christ. This is the new covenant, the new contract, the good news. Guess what? There is neither what? Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Why? Because now in Christ, you're all one. Okay? How is that making you a better Christian? What you're actually doing, listen to this, once again is you're causing division in the church. Same thing happens with the spiritual gifts, right? That's a whole debate. All the gifts in function today, some of them all and whatever, okay? But some people that push gifts, uh, specifically uh, the gift of tongues, literally languages, that's all it means, and it's always a known language, by the way, okay? Languages, and it's like, oh, it's the haves and the have-nots. Look what I can do, and you can't. Well, this is the same mentality that comes with this. Oh, look at us. We're dressed like Jewish people. We only say, Yeshua. We keep these festivals. We're better than, that's division. God hates that. We're all one in Christ. That's what the world needs to see, right? That Jesus is real. Doesn't matter who you come from. That's what I love about Sunrise, man. We're a bunch of messed up, weird, wacky people, right? <laughs> Different sizes, colors, shapes. And isn't it awesome? I mean, this is, this, of all places I've pastored so far, this is the one that is the most mixed, and it's awesome. We got about every ethnic group there is, and this is great. Right? It's absolutely, that's, that's the Bible. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you come from. God saves all. So why in the world are you putting this division in the church? Oh, no, but now you've got to go back to being a Jewish person. I don't think so. One guy says this. He said, in the early church, those who taught a combination of God's grace, again, they were called Judaizer. The word Judaizer comes from the Greek word verb, meaning to live according to Jewish customs. In other words, to Judaize. Okay, and that's what this movement is all about. And again, you have to conform uh, to the Mosaic law. Now, listen, there are groups today with beliefs and practices very similar to the Judaizers in the New Testament. Now, the prominent, the two most prominent, are the Hebrew Roots movement and the Roman Catholic Church, because they're doing the same thing. Okay, uh, the teachings of the Hebrew Roots movement are virtually identical, uh, identical to the Judaizers that Paul rebuked. Okay. And they're trying to get people under the bondage of the Old Testament law again. The Roman Catholic Church teaches a doctrine similar to the Judaizers in the New Testament. At the Council of Trent in the 16th century, the Catholic Church explicitly denied the idea of salvation on faith alone. This is their records, not mine. Catholics have always held that certain sacraments are necessary for salvation. What's the problem with that? Now you got Jesus and, and if it's even one, it's not the gospel but you got seven sacraments. That's not the gospel. What's, Jesus, what's Paul say? If somebody comes to you, I don't care if it's the Pope, the Vatican, I don't care if they're dressed looking like this, looking like a Hebrew, looking like a Pope. Let him be accursed. I don't even care if they say, oh, it's an angel. Let him be accursed. Let him be condemned. How dare you add something to the cross of Jesus Christ? Nothing could be added to the cross of Jesus Christ as a gift from God. But they, they, they uh, And the, the issues of the first century Judaizers were circumcision, Sabbath-keeping, okay? And the issues for modern-day Catholics, uh, again, is the sacraments, okay? And uh, in fact, let me uh, share that with you uh, just real quick. And we'll get into this, Lord willing, way deeper when we get on the chapter on Roman Catholicism. Okay, but let me just demonstrate they're doing the same thing. It's just like a modern Jewish person trying to somehow earn merit. Okay, it's, it's a work, it's a ritual that you need to do uh, for salvation. But, and, and by the way, this is from the Roman Catholic chaplaincy. This is how they're trained. This is their own website. This is their own production. This, you can even say, oh, that's a Christian site. Of course they're going to say that. This is their own site. Okay, here's what they teach, the seven sacraments. The seven sacraments, of course, according to them, is baptism, confirmation, Holy Communion, confession, marriage, holy orders, the anointing of the sick. Uh, these are the life of the Catholic Church. This is their words. Anointing the sick, basically also known as the last rites or extreme unction, where when you're about ready to die, you need to have a Catholic priest come and do his thing and that's, some, that's supposed to benefit you. Okay, quote, this is their words, not mine. When we participate in them, each provides us with graces, With the life of God in our soul, in the sacraments, He, God, gives us the graces necessary to live a truly human life. The first three sacraments, baptism, confirmation, and Holy Communion, are called the sacraments of initiation because the rest of our life as a Christian depends upon them. (laughs) What? And how many times have you heard it said, with all due respect, Oh, hey, Catholics are Christians just like us. I'm not saying you can't be a, a person that there's nobody that's saved in the Catholic Church. For the life of me, I don't know why you'd stay there, right? We have people here today that came out of that. And granted, typically, is the initial response is, I, now I know the truth, and I want to stay behind to help them. But you're not going to ch- change the Catholic Church. And so eventually, because you're hungry for the truth, you come out, right? But th- it's not the same thing. Roman Catholicism is not biblical Christianity. This is their own words. Now, what I like about this is, the guy says this, I've noticed that most people i met who are into this legalistic stuff, whether it's Judaism, whether it's the Hebrew Roots Movement, uh, Catholicism, because it's their ritual, right? Because they're doing something you're not, and it makes them more spiritual. He said, they seem so mean-spirited. Have you noticed that? They're mean. You're just, oh, look at you. This is not a mystery. They have no joy because they have not come to really come into a relationship with Jesus. Only he brings us joy. We rest in him. Maybe that's why he's so mean and nasty, okay, with all due respect. Now, as we close, there's one more category I want to deal with. Not only are there Judaizers coming to the church, right? Because again, we're still on the topic of modern Judaism. Uh, A good version of that's Roman Catholicism being repeated today. Hebrew roots movements, trying to come to the church. There's one more I just really quickly want to deal with. Okay, maybe we can get to this sometime later. It's called uh, uh, dual okay, uh, covenant, okay, or or, or dual theology, dual salvation. Basically, what they're talking about, okay, in this is that there's uh, two ways to get to the heaven. Now, not for everybody, and the people who uh, uh, believe this heresy is they say there's one way, you and I, the Christian, okay, you and I, the Gentile Christian, we come through the cross of Jesus Christ, but the Jewish people, nope, they come a different way. They're automatically saved. Now, okay, and, and believe it or not, that's actually out there. Now, I'm going to name call, because this is one of the people teaching this, it is a guy called John Hagee. Okay? And I got a lot of his tapes in my office, and when this came out, it's like, why'd you have to do that? Yeah. And he preaches a lot of great stuff, and he supports Israel. But he teaches this heresy. Let me give you a little bit there, and we'll close. Pastor John hey, he loves Israel. His multimillion-dollar organization, Christians United for Israel, uh, can be attested to uh, that love is returned to him by the Jewish people. But have you ever stopped to wonder why we never hear stories of Jews coming to salvation to Jesus Christ through this ministry? It's because he doesn't preach Jesus to them. He preaches the heresy of dual covenant salvation which purports that the Jewish people don't need Jesus because God has already made a covenant with them through Abraham, okay? This is another offshoot, okay? Here's a direct quote. He said, the Jewish people have a relationship with God through the law of God as given through Moses. I believe that every Gentile person, you and I, can only come to God through the cross of Christ. That is correct, but it's not just us. All means all, right? And what did we just read in Galatians 3? Jew, Gentile, wasn't just Gentile, right? I believe that every Jewish person who lives in light of the Torah, which is the word of God, has a relationship with God and will come to redemption. That's a false gospel. You only come through Jesus Christ. That's a false gospel. Now, a Jewish guy, Dr. Michael Brown, he has this to say. He says, as a Jewish believer in Jesus, I have deep appreciation for Pastor John Hagee. He has tirelessly spoken out against replacement theology, and that's good, because there's people say, oh, forget the Jews, God's done with them, uh, the church supersedes them, they're done, they're toast, whatever, that's called replacement theology. So he'll speak out about, against that, and, and that's good. He's called for the church to stand with the people of Israel through thick and thin. He's provided material, and that's great. For all this, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for his zeal, his passion, his unwavering commitment to my people are to be commended. But over the years, he has been accused of espousing dual covenant theology, teaching that God has made a way for the Jews to be saved outside of Jesus. And in his newest book, it finally came out. It's called In Defense of Israel. Sounds great. But this is where the cat comes out of the bag. Does it contain air? Without a doubt. He says, in fact, I cannot remember reading a book by an evangelical leader that contained more fundamental denial of New Testament truth than this book, and I am blown away that any Christian publisher would publish this book. Okay? He said it's not a matter of semantics. It is quite clear and intentional what he teaches. Just some of the claims in that book are this. The Jewish people as a whole did not reject Jesus as Messiah. Jesus did not come to the earth to be the Messiah. Jesus refused by word and deed to be the Messiah. He said it over and over again. And the Jewish people cannot be blamed, listen, for not accepting what was never offered. All means all. And why do we call Jesus Christ Christas, which means anointed one, right? Which is the Greek form of Mashiach, meaning Messiah. The Mashiach is Hebrew anointed ones the Greek why do we call him Messiah if he never what absolutely crazy I like what he said this he says is there no accountability in the body of Christ he said what if Pastor Hagee claimed that he had a new revelation and he claimed that Krishna was Lord well he didn't he's saying what if he did and that would be the appropriate response Tom give it up for Tom He said, "If he did that, he said, would that have made it past the book's editors? Of course not. But here he is teaching dual covenant theology that the Jews have a different way to get to God right now, and nobody say nothing, folks. That's heresy. Okay, all because you don't understand biblical Christianity, and you certainly don't understand." The difference between the Old and New Testament covenants and Judaism. Now, Lord willing, we've got to go. Uh, next week, we're going to finally get into, and in fact, let's finish at the top of the page. There's a distinction between the Jewish people and the religion of Judaism of the 12.8 million Jewish people in the world. Not all consider themselves to be religious or practice Judaism. Many profess to be atheists, if you can believe that. That's your blank there. Many profess to be atheists, agnostics, okay, uh, gnosis, knowledge, ah means to negate, Okay, ag- agnostics, I don't know, not enough information to know. Okay, or secular. Still, others have embraced New Age and Eastern philosophies. It's important to understand that Judaism is a religion of deed, not creed. It is possible to be an atheist and yet an Orthodox Jew because one happens to attend an Orthodox uh, congregation. What an individual believes about God or the afterlife is not nearly as important as how one lives. As long as you follow these rituals, who cares? You see the same thing with Roman Catholicism, right? You got Guido in charge of the mafia who goes to mass, and somehow that's okay. And of course, that's an extreme example, but people do that same thing. Can I say something? You got people who, what's the phrase we use in the church? Send up a storm six days a week, but they show up on Sunday. Somehow it's okay. Okay. Same kind of mentality, isn't it, right? All, as long as you do the ritual. What's our ritual? You got to come here on Sunday. You got to dress like Pastor Billy. You got to weird Dockers or something like that. And look, look really spiritual. And then if you really want to preach a really good sermon, you start off with a corny joke. <laughs> hey, what are you laughing at? <laughs> right? Right? And then you got to do this. You got to stand up and sit down. And then when Ken starts singing the piano, you've got to raise your hands and prove to everybody you're so spiritual. <sighs> we do the same goofball thing, don't we? Thinking that ritual instead of heart, substance, and response to the grace that's given to us, we could fall for the same trap, can't we? So next week we'll hopefully finish that up. And then off to something that has absolutely nothing to do with our world today, Islam. Boy, I can't wait to get to that one. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.